Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Praise the Lord! Oh, don't sleep while I'm preaching. Come on, y'all. Come on, somebody. Well, I'm just thanking God because on, uh, we started off, Monty and Emma started a prayer on um, Friday night and we started off praying for Pastor Butler's church because the demonic forces of hell started coming against their meeting. It was a storm, a tree had failed, so the people couldn't get to the church, and people's flights got canceled because, you know, just a, it was just all kind of stuff happening. So he said, I need y'all to pray right now. And we started praying, and the Lord started shifting things. They got the tree cleared out the way. People got on another flight. They made it. Come on. I was looking at the service, and I said, they are having a Holy Ghost time. The Lord just showed up in a powerful way, in a powerful way. So I thank and praise God for answering our request. Come on, stand up on your feet. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, 14 through 18 together. Yes. And begin. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as light in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Amen. You may be seated. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to minister this particular portion of your word. And Father, I pray against every distraction in this room that people won't be distracted, God, by their cell phones or by anything else, but they would be 100% focused because, God, you deserve our undivided attention. And I pray, Father, that you would open our ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us in this hour, in this moment. I pray, Father God, that you would change us and that we would be changed from the inside out for your glory alone. Somebody say amen. In verses 12 through 13, right before this, the Apostle Paul was talking about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then here in verses 14 to 18, he's speaking to us, he's teaching us on how we can do that. So for the sake of all of you tuning in online and for the sake of some of you that are new, um, the Apostle Paul writes this, we've already been over this, but he writes this letter and to the church of Philippi why he is in prison, uh, saying that this incarceration that I am in right now, this jail, this prison that I am in right now has been beneficial because it has, it is for the furtherance of the gospel. So he turns and he says, it has been beneficial for the furtherance of the gospel. When I thought about that, I started thinking, wow, this is incredible because a lot of us, we don't realize that our situations, our circumstances, the pain that we go through, the disappointments that we go through can really turn around for the good, for the furtherance of the gospel. When we allow God to heal us, when we allow God to take us through something, that it actually can further the gospel because we have a testimony now. Somebody say you can't have a test. Or you can have without a testimony. You can't have a testimony without a test. You can't have a testimony without a test. Amen. So the best example of what Paul is talking about, because he goes on, he says, well, I've been in jail. I want you to do something. He says, I want you to humble yourselves. I want you to, to really serve one another. I want you to love on one another. I, I, you know, I want you to be the example. So, but the best example that he goes on and he talks about is Jesus. And we're going to talk about that today. Amen. So now, the Apostle Paul tells why. Why are we not to complain? Why are we not to be disputing with one another? And then he goes on to say about our walk so that we can be the light that shine. Come on. You have me turned up loud, Noble? Come on, you have me turned up loud in the church? Okay, make sure I'm turned up because this, this, this message is very important to you. Because if you get this message, 
I'm just going to tell you, your life is going to be transformed. And in this message, I am going to challenge you to do something that probably no one has ever challenged you to do. Okay, who's going to take the challenge? Hey! You know what, I love that because they love me because they said, you know what, I'm going to take it even though I don't know what it is yet. So that is awesome. That is awesome. I'm excited that you're able. He talks about us being a light. So, and he talks about this for two reasons. The, the next slide. Number one is to shine as light in a dark place. To shine as light in a dark place. And number two, our individual and corporate testimonies are on display before the world. Okay, I want you to see this. Your individual testimony is on display before the world to see. Your life is a book. Your life may be the only Bible that people read. So when our responses and our attitudes and our walk before people line up with our talk before people, we have come to understand that the light of God in our lives can be can show them the way to Jesus. It shows someone who has lost the way to him. What a great opportunity we have. Do you realize the opportunity that you have? That we're living in this world and we have an opportunity to show someone Jesus. Oh my God, we're going to get to it. So Philippians chapter 2, 3a, prior to this, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests, the interests of others in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider it equality, with, equally with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself of no reputation. Rather, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the death on the cross. Somebody say he humbled himself. Now that's deep right there. Because if you look at our Savior, if you look at our Jesus, here, there he was. I want you to imagine with me, he's there in heaven. Our Jesus, he is God. He is equal to God himself. And then John chapter 1 verse 1 says that he was the word that was made flesh that dwelt among us. Come on, our God, he decided that, you know, he looked throughout the whole world, it says in Revelation, to find one person willing, one person willing to be a sacrifice, one person willing that could die in our place, one person, and he found no one. Therefore, God had to send his only son, Jesus, into the world. And Isaiah tells us that he was beaten beyond recognition to be a man. Isaiah tells us that he was, Isaiah 53, it says that there was thorns thrust in his head, that there was 39 lashes on his back, that, that nails was put in his hands and in his feet so that we could have a way to the Father. There's never been a death like that. There's never been a sacrifice like that. The cross of Calvary. But it says in verse 5, it says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus had. So do all things without complaining. The word here means to mutter under your breath. You ever just, some, your mother told you to do something? Your mother said, I want you to do something. I want you to go in there. Nobody in here but at those other churches that I minister at. muttering underneath your breath. That's what God is talking about here. Or when God tells you to do something. He says, I want you to go and I want you to humble yourself. I want you to do this. Or your husband asks you to do something. How do we respond? But it literally means to mutter underneath your breath. 
So trust me, the last thing we need to do is to be stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. A test. Somebody say it's a test. So we look at the children of Israel and we found that they, were, they weren't able to go into the promised land. Actually, they weren't able to get in there because of their armoring and their complaining. They couldn't get into the promised land. For 40 years, they were going through the same test. I don't want to go through the same test. Who, who with me on that? Is anybody with? Who wants to be in the first grade for the rest of your life? No! They were forever being taught but never learning. God, I want to learn what you want to teach me, God. The word disputing, the next slide, it means to argue about something, discuss something heatedly. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh, heated discussion. To dispute means to, to challenge in a selfish rather than submissive spirit. To dispute heatedly. It's okay to have your opinion. Somebody say that. It's okay to have, to have an opinion, to say something, to say, you know, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? But if you're like disputing and just like you have this like divisive spirit and, and it's just not what you say. People tell me all the time because we do marriage counseling, they tell me, oh, Pastor Portia, all I said was. And I say, but how did you say it though? Let me just give you a demonstration. Is she coming to the party? Is she coming to the party? You brought me a bike? You brought me a bike? I say that to say you could say the same thing, but it could mean something different. It could mean something different. So disputing can either mean an inward questioning or outward dissension. Paul command not to dispute, does not stifle honest discussion. No, it does not uh, a difference of matter of, uh, of different things that we practice, nor does it mean that it's wrong to question church leadership. It's not wrong. If you have a question, we'll be glad to talk, sit down and talk to you about it in a rational way. Glory to God. We'll be glad to talk to you about it. If there's an area of concern with you, let, let's sit down, let's talk about it. But... It does confront our attitude and how we raise questions or disagreements. Our attitude and how we raise it. To dispute means to challenge in a selfish rather than submissive way. It means to assert your authority in an attempt to resist God and the leaders that he has appointed over you so that you don't have to submit to his word. Satan was disputing in the Garden of Eden when he told Eve, has God said that you shall surely die? Hmm. My challenge to you is hopefully, and all of you will, will, now that you're about to hear the challenge before the end of my message, that you will have a journal and for 40 days, don't complain about nothing. For, for, why, why 40? Because the number 40 is significant in scripture. It takes 40 days is the life cycle of a fly. It's the life cycle of a spirit, really, that tries to come upon us. And I've tried this before. We've tried this, I mean, years and years ago. I had people come up to me, Pastor Portia, I got to three days. And I was big for them. Somebody said, you know, I got to, to 10 days, Pastor Portia, without complaining, disputing, grumbling. But who could do it for 40 days? It's the reason why. And I want you all to do it because I want us all to get into a habit. So people that work with me know that the one thing that I hate is for somebody to work with me complaining. My husband, see, he said, uh-huh. He said, uh-huh, because if he says, if he says, babe, what you need doing? And then I said, okay, I need this done. And he started complaining about, I said, oh, uh-uh, don't do it. Don't complain about, don't do it, baby. 
that's all right, that's all right. He be trying to do it. Don't do it. Don't, 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 don't. No, don't do it. I got it. Then I'll smile because we know what that means. And it's like the same way with God. We, we, he's, we're working for him. We have this assignment for him. But how much do we complain about it? How much do we complain about it? Paul's example in, in 2.17 shows that not only are we not to grumble, not only are we not to dispute, but we are to be marked by joy, even in the midst of difficult trials, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, that instead of murmuring, instead of complaining, we ought to be marked by joy. Now, I'm going to tell you this, this is not an easy thing. I had to literally walk through this and still do. I remember one time I was working at Mrs. Field Cookies. I, was where I wrote the Mrs. Field Cookie song. I was all happy. It was a Christmas song. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. No, no, never mind. It was, it was a, but anyway, I did the whole cookie song. We was the first A-plus rating, so I was all excited. I was all excited because we got the first A-plus rating because I wrote the Mrs. Field Cookie song. And then something happened right in front of me where this lady was talking to her elderly mother like really bad. And I hate to see abuse. I'll, I'll be telling my friends, if somebody abuses a kid or something, run towards me, dive on me, and no matter what I say, don't let me up until the police come. But I, I told people that. But anyway, so here it is. I'm just all excited. Five triple chocolate cookies, four macadamians, three pecans, two double fudge. I'm all singing the Mississippi cookie song. Next thing you know, this lady, Mama, shut up. Now I'm about to say, Five triple chocolate cookies. I was, I was, I was losing it because I can't. I wanted to say, "You shut up! Don't you talk to your mother like that? What's wrong with you?" I was like, "Jesus, see that, So one thing I learned in that moment is to smile hard. Oh, you're not gonna take no boy to day devil. Ready? Let's practice it. Go. You ain't finna get me. You ain't finna get me. <laughs> oh, you almost got me. I told her, you almost got me. <laughs> oh, you ain't finna get me today. <laughs> just practice it. I'm just giving you a little pointer to what Pastor Portia does. When I want to say something, sometimes you can't say something. Sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to pray. Sometimes you got to smile hard. And you say, God, what you want me to say, if anything? Right? Because we're led by the Spirit of God. So he wants us to be marked with joy, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. One of the best examples I can say was Pastor Marion. You know, Pastor Marion had lost somebody close to her and her family had passed away. And I was saying, man, you know what? She going to come up in here sorrowful today. She probably not going to even sing today. She probably be sitting down in her seat moping. And, but then she was, woo! And she was lifting up her feet higher than ever before. I'm like, this lady got something. She got a secret. What is this? What is this? This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world can't take it away from me. It's not predicated on my circumstances. It's not predicated on what people do and don't do. This joy that I have is real. And so she was dancing and she was rejoicing because she knew that God deserved the praise. God deserves the praise. Let's go to slide five. Our testimony as children of God requires that we be marked not by grumbling and disputing, but by joy even in trials. Pastor Skip Heifetz, he tells a story, and I want you to get this story. Maybe I'll come down here for this story. He tells a story because nothing really breaks down the scripture like this. He said there was this man that was in at a stoplight, and there was a lady right behind him at the stoplight. And what happened was the light had turned green. And when the light turned green, the man didn't see it because he was probably looking down at his phone or whatever, but the lady, you know, she honked behind him. And he still didn't see it. 
He didn't look up. He was looking down at his phone. And so she said, okay. She honked again, nothing happened. She rolled down the window of the car. She yelled out, hey, the lights ring! The man didn't move. The man stayed there. And all of a sudden, the yellow light came. And when the yellow light came, the man looked up. And he went, but he didn't leave her enough time to go. So she got really upset. She was angry. She put her hand out the window and gave a gesture. You know, I don't need to show you what that is. Y'all already know. And then she was yelling at him. She was screaming. She, was, she started, you know, yelling out the window, saying, you know, she wasn't speaking in tongues or nothing. She was yelling at other stuff. And then she started just banging her, banging, just banging, just banging. And she's saying all kind of stuff, and she's banging on the, on the, the, the dashboard or the uh, steering wheel. Next thing she knows, she sees a police officer, gun drawn, right there. And he says, hey, put your hands up. Get out the car slowly. So she does it. Put your hands behind your back. He says, handcuffs her. Takes her to jail for two hours. For two hours, this lady's in jail. And all of a sudden, he comes down and says, hey, listen, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. I'm really sorry, ma'am. I, I saw the um, what would Jesus do sign on the back of your car. I saw the license plate that said, follow me to Sunday school on the back of your car. I saw the, you know, the chrome fish on the back of your car, ma'am. And I just assumed that the car was stolen. So the message from the back of the car was different from the message in the car. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was a very, very big different message going on. A different message. So we need to ask ourselves, as people are watching us, what are they assuming about us? It's all right, it's all right. I know, I have to do this myself all the time too. Are we shining in the way for salvation? Are they saying, wow, what a Christian. It must be a God, the way they handled that situation. I saw how you handled that storm. I saw you. Woo, I'll never forget one time. I was at this church and this lady, I was working with this lady. And uh, anyway, long story short, because it's a long story. Long story short, I end up getting this position for the city of the Oakland. And I ended up being, being uh, for Martin Luther King Oratorical Fest leader for all the Oakland school districts. And so anyway, long story short, this lady comes up to me and she says to me, I wanted that position. I said, you did, you know, we could do it together. She said, I, I wanted it. So she went behind my back and she knew somebody that was the boss's boss. And she ended up getting the position, even though they announced that I had gotten it. And I had a test. It was a test. I hear something, is cell phones off in here? Is music off? I'm hearing music and cell phones and stuff. I know not at Encounter Church, y'all got y'all stuff together, but that's what, maybe that was the enemy coming against me, glory. But it was a test. It was a test. Somebody say it's a test. And so I remember going through not only that, she wanted my own venue. My venue was a church, and she went and was talking to the pastor, but the pastor was a friend of mine, and the pastor said to me, Portia, you know, I knew I was there when they announced that you were going to have this position, and now this lady has done this, and I just, and I forced myself to do what God wanted me to do. Not what I wanted to do. I said to him, I said, Pastor David, I forgive her. And if you want her to have it at the church, then let her have it at the church. I will not hold this. You know why? Because my assignment is too great. 
I can't stay there. You can't stay there in your situation. Your assignment is too great. People are dying and going to hell. You understand what I'm saying? People are dying and they're going to hell. And we stuck on this little thing that happened. It don't matter. It's not eternal. And God brought judgment. God brought judgment to that situation. You know, if you hold your peace and you have the right attitude and you keep on loving on people and they still decide that I'm going to be used by the devil against you, do you know that God will judge them? I, I, I'm a witness. I, I can tell you what happened. But I'm not. But it was a horrible thing. But what are people looking at when they see it? Are they seeing Jesus? Are they hearing Jesus in our voices? So as children of God, our testimony, what does our life communicate about the Lord and Savior? Are we operating with the understanding that people are watching us? That should be uttermost in our mind. Hey, I don't want to make Jesus look He's done too much for me. He was beaten beyond recognition for me. He, thorns was thrust in his head for me. There was, come on in his feet for me. Come on. I, 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 I don't want Jesus to look bad by, I, I don't want the Christianity to look bad by the way I respond to you. Our behavior and our words, do they bring glory to God? When it says a crooked, who knows that we're living now in a crooked and perverse generation? I'm going to tell you what that means. That word crooked is the word scolios. The word scoliosis comes from that word. It's a condition of the bending of the spine. It means that you can't hold up the weight. A person can't hold up the weight. In 1991, Baker Bush House did a, sur a survey. 84% of the public said that they believed that the Ten Commandments were valid for today but no one knew what the Ten Commandments were. I mean, I want you to think about that. According to the safe, uh, safehome.org research, murder, rape, aggravated assault, all climbed 25% or more in January 2022. The murder rate in small cities, those populations of 100,000 to 250,000, climbed by 80% on average between 2010 and 2020. So the Apostle Paul is speaking of being morally bent. I, I, we cried out to God for this generation. Because I'm telling you, I, I was speaking to some people and I would tell them something. I would even say, thus saith the Lord. I would even say I had a dream. I would say God showed me. And they still don't be remembering what I'm saying. It's like a demonic force that have come against this generation's mind. And they're taught all of this nonsense in school. And they're taught all this, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going there today. They're taught all this in school. And, oh, yeah, you can pick what you are. Your, your gender is, what, is what, you, what you say it is, is what you feel. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, that's not what the Bible says it is. This is our ruler. This is what we measure our lives by. Not what a public opinion is. Come on. Not what people say. The, the Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I have a plan for your life. I have a plot, plan to prosper you. I have a plan to give you a hope. I have a plan to give you a future. God did not make a mistake about my identity. Then you have all of this craziness going on and all of this teaching going on. And people saying, you know what, well, I'm this and I'm by and I, I'm try and I'll try anything once. Listen, that is not God. That is from the devil. The devil wants you to go to hell. When God said, I'm, I'm dying, I'm dying so that you don't have to go to hell. I'm dying so that you can go to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This is our ruler. The Bible It's what God said. It's what he said, but he says that we're living here in this. You know, Pastor, Pastor Cal said it. We have all these people with, with all these opinions. This has to be our opinion. It's all or nothing. Come on, come on. It's light. It's darkness. Come on. Come on, it's light, it's, a, it's all or nothing for me. I'm going all the way in. I got to go, I got to see. I got to see what Jesus is saying. 
I got to see what Jesus is saying about it. Whatever Jesus said is what I'm going to do. Because the world is waiting for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. The other word Paul uses here is the word perverse. It means to twist and turn. We live in a twisted world. Even Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I bear with you? And according to the FBI database, the murders in the U.S. jumped 30% in 2020. We had a friend, a young guy in our youth group, young man, just really loved God, was always smiling, always sweet, always pleasant, never had any problems out of him. And I got the call. Matter of fact, seven people died last month that I knew, seven. That was a bit much for me. And I remember my husband and I, we went to his funeral because somebody killed him. Just all he was doing was jogging before work and somebody killed him. This wasn't, he wasn't involved with the wrong crowd or, or nothing. You know the Bible, the Bible says the day that you hear his voice harden not your heart. Do you know that this may be the last day that you live or I live? Do you know that tomorrow is not promised for you or for me? Do you understand what I'm saying? We have an assignment. We have a purpose. God has anointed us for such a time as this. The homicides went in 2020, 21,570. That's 4,901 more than 2019. And there's a murder every 35 minutes, a rape every six minutes, a burglary every six seconds. You still don't think we live in a twisted and perverted generation? World, the behavior left unchecked has eternal consequences. I look at people now and I see them and I say, this may be the last time this example, this few minutes that I have leading them may be the only Bible that this person reads. It may be the only Bible that this person reads. I know I told this story before, but it's coming back to me now. I remember some years ago I was on the plane, and the plane hit a hail, hit the tailwind of a hurricane. And I never, I mean, people, this, this plane was bouncing, y'all. I'm talking about things. People was flying up in the air. Somebody didn't have their seatbelt on, hitting their head. I'm telling you, it was just, I, I, I said, you know what, I guess we're going down. Then I remembered that there was a black box on there. And I wanted my family to know that I went out preaching. I wanted them to know that I went out preaching. And I said, hey, everybody, the only name that's going to save us is the name of Jesus. Everybody call on the name of Jesus. I start screaming out his name. I said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Big old buff guy next to me. <laughs> I skipped him. You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? In that thing, and I'm, I'm sitting, I'm praying, and I remember God spoke to me. He said, you're dying. This is not how you go out right now. So I, he said, speak to the storm. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. I command this storm to cease now. Three, two, whoosh. that's what happened. That's what happened. Because they that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They shall be saved. But you got to understand that the consequences of all the abortions that we are having in America does affect the church. It does affect us. It allows the enemy of death to come in. Come on. Well, Pastor Portia, well, I didn't do it, but it, it allows the enemy of death to come in. And if you had an abortion, God can forgive you of that. He can forgive you of anything. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's the word. And I thank God for his mercy and his grace. But don't be thinking that you can just live in his mercy and grace and keep doing what you're doing. Because it will have a consequence. The condition for us to shine brighter has never been greater. You know, the darker it gets, the lighter you can see the stars. Sometimes my husband will take me up there and we'll go all the way out. And then it's just nothing out there. But you can see the beautiful stars at night. You can see them. It's like, man, where did all these stars come from? But what happens is, is that the city lights drown them out. We don't need no eclipses to block out the sun. 
Think about that for a minute. We don't need our lives to be an eclipse to block out the sun. We got to shine, y'all. If ever there's a time to shine. Jesus said, let your light so shine among men so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The Bible talks about an outer darkness. The Bible talks about an outer darkness where there will be weeping, where there will be gnashing of teeth. No, the church don't even like to talk about this. Do you know that we could probably fill up this place if we just preached nice messages and just had short worship services? We could probably, because people just hurry up, because I want them to hurry up so we could just go home, and I got my whole day planned. But you know I will never do it. I don't care if it's 12 people here, that we got to be led by the Spirit of God, because that's what God told us. That this is a church that needs to be led by the Spirit of God. The Bible talks about the outer darkness. So when you're thinking about somebody, well, Pastor Persia, you don't know what they said. It's an outer darkness that they headed to. An outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And God has called you and I to be a light to point them to, to Jesus. He has called us to show them that you don't have to talk like that. You don't have to act like that. You don't have to walk like that. You don't have to cuss like that. You don't have to be like that. You can actually be saved. The anger. I met somebody, I talked to somebody the other day, Pastor Portia, I'm just so angry. But anger is a result of an unmet need. What is your need? Pastor Cal did such a beautiful job teaching it last week. It's about the time we spend with Jesus. He can fulfill our needs. The next slide, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11 through 16, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Oh my God, just right there. I have people that I love, people in my family, people calling me saying, ah, this is after my sister's death too. I don't want nothing to do for you, nothing to do. They believe the lie. They believe the lie. They didn't even ask me about it. I was like, God, can I just be judged on something I did? But they forsake me. And then Jesus said, you know what? Look at what I went through. I was lied on. I was spit on. Come on. I was talked about. But it says, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice! No, it said, put your head down and be sad. What, 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 what did it say? Rejoice! And be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wait a second. And I get a call from Pastor Butler shortly that says, Portia, the Lord says to tell you that the people that's coming against you that's lying on you is going to wither away like the weeds. But I don't want them to wither away, God. I want them to be saved. I want you to turn their hearts, God. I want you to change their attitudes, God. I want you to, I want you to do a work. I want you to reveal yourself to them. Why? Because I don't want nobody to go to hell. I don't want nobody in my family to go to hell. I don't want nobody I love to go to hell. Come on, because there is a hell and there is a heaven, and I can prove it to you, but I don't got time. But there is. And Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to go to a devil's hell. Blessed are you. It goes on to say, let's keep going. It goes on to skip past that, and it says, it is been good for nothing. He's talking about the salt being lost is lost his favor. Then it goes on to talk about the light again. It says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. What? Why? So that they may see your good work. And glorify your Father that is in heaven. According to Mark 7, 23, all sin really starts from our thoughts. Our thoughts and our minds. Years ago, a person in my family that I loved, I say my family, but the family of God. And I was walking out, y'all, 
because it's talk, still talking about perverse thoughts and perverse being perverse and all that stuff, because that's what the scripture is about that we read earlier. And I saw him just look at a woman inappropriately. Like inappropriately like this. And I know his wife. So I said something. I said something. I said, hey, what was that look about? What was that lusting that I saw? That looking up and down like that. Because it's okay to look at somebody and say, oh, that's a nice looking person, but you keep it moving. You don't sit up there and dwell on it. You know what I'm saying? Dwell like imagining stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so he, he said, well, just because a brother's on a diet don't mean they can't look at the menu. Let me explain something to you. Let me explain something. You with me? You with me? Let me explain something to you. That same brother ended up messing around on his wife. Because if you keep looking at something and thinking about something long enough, you're going to end up partaking of it. Amen? Amen. That's why, the, that's, why, that's why the Bible says whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, if there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, to think on these things. So we're thinking on these things. We're thinking on the Lord. We're meditating on him. We're casting down every vain imagination, every high thing that would exalt itself above the knowledge of him because we have an assignment. So I want you to hold fast to life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ's coming. Go back. Let me go back. Thursday in our grief share class, something happened. If, you, if you've lost loved ones and it's really hard for you to give, I recommend highly that you come to the grief share class on Thursday night because God has really been doing something. At first it was just really even sad for me to go through it, but I lost, like I said, seven people in one month and then other people before that. But here it was, I'm, I'm sitting there and I started to realize how the enemy really comes against our thought life. Still talking about the scripture, you're going to see in a minute. And it thought it started, they started talking about on the video, they started talking about, hey, that this, that these lies that we have been fed, even as Christians, for instance, time heals all wounds. No, time heals, doesn't heal all wounds. Time with Jesus heals all wounds. Something or someone has been taken from me that I can't live without, someone said. That's not true. That's not true. You can live without him. Because God will not take something that is essential for your life to live. I want you to think about it. Think about it. Who's with me so far? Come on, I'm correcting mindsets right now. Twist mindsets that got twisted according to the scripture. So, no, God would not have taken them if they were essential to your life, to the next chapter in your life. That's hard for me to see. My mentor that passed away, Pastor Neva Lemma, she was, I'm talking about. Her story is significant because her body was twisted. She was born with a hundred fractures in her body. And the doctor told her mother that she would never live to be a teenager. And the doctor said that she would never have kids. But she was 83 years old when she passed away. And she had two sons in her life. And she told me, Portia, the only one that can stop your destiny is you. The devil cannot stop your destiny. I wrote a whole song about her. Just incredible. Just incredible. But she taught me something. She would call me on the phone because she was a prophet. One of the things that she would do, just like Mother Marion, is that she saw a gift. She saw that I could, that I had a gift to prophesy, a gift to sing the song of the Lord. And so they would push me forward. They wouldn't hold me back. They were secure in who they were. And they would say, get out there and prophesy. Get out there and sing the song of the Lord. Even if I didn't have something, when I woke, just because of I was obedient, uh, y'all missed it. Just because I was obedient, I walked on the stage. And as soon as I opened my mouth, the song came. Just because I was obedient. And so they were secure in who they were. 
And so she would have me and my brother, we would go and we would prophesy and we would sing the song, the Lord over people. And we would do conferences with Pastor Neva Lemma. And I saw God and something happened two years ago. She was going across the street in a wheelchair and somebody that was illegal, not having their license, hit her. They hit her in the wheelchair and her body went flying in the air. Her little body. And she told me something. She said, listen, she said, Portia, she says, listen, I'm not going to die right now. She says, I asked the Lord to give me more time because I'm worried about my husband, Clyde. I said, you're not going to die right now, mama? She said, no, I'm not. She said, I'll ask the Lord for more time. That's the close relationship that she had with God. And so she, she willed herself to live for two more years. But in that two years, all she had was one hand to use. She was bedridden. I've never seen her body more twisted. I've never seen a lady more broken. But she wouldn't complain. And I went over there by her bedside. And I sang, I've had some good days. I've had some hills to climb. And I've had some weary days. sleepless night but when I when I look around and I see things over all of my good days outweigh my bad days and I won't complain sometimes the clouds hang low and I can hardly see the road. And I ask the Lord the question why, why, why so much pain? But God knows, God knows what's best for me. And as I began to sing, she would raise up her hand and she would like sing it, Portia, sing it to one hand that she could raise up. He, he knows, and he's been good to me, better than anyone in this whole world could ever be. God's been good to me, 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 me. Jesus wipes, Jesus wipes my tears away, and he turns all of my midnights into day. So I can raise my hand and say, thank you, Lord. I've been lied on, but thank you, Lord. I've been misunderstood, but thank you, Lord. My body's been reeking with pain, but thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I will complain. I would leave there and I would slap myself three times on the way out the parking lot, literally. And I was like, if this lady could stay in her bed for two years. And not complain about nothing. I say, Portia, sing. And she raised her hand. What am I doing? What's wrong with me? That this little stuff is bothering me. I'm not bedridden. Come on. I can walk. Come on. I can talk. Come on. I'm not on crutches. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You start thanking him and you start praising him. That's what this lady did in the video after her loved one died. They just started saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that I can get up. Thank you that I can walk. Thank you that I can talk. Thank you, God, that I'm saved. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. And she just started thanking the Lord. And the weight, the heaviness started lifting off of her. Let me finish this word. I'm almost done, for real. I'm almost done. Holding fast to the word of life. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Some translations here, you can come back, fiddle to the piano. Some translations here say, holding forth to the word of life. So don't just know the truth, show the truth. 
Don't just know the truth. Show the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Nobody can come to the Father but by him. We have to share the gospel with our lips. We have to share the gospel with our attitude. We got to share the gospel with the way we walk, with the way we talk, with the way that we respond in a difficult situation. Romans 10, 14. You can start playing. It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? God has called all of us to be the preachers. Philippians 2.17, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice of your faith, and listen, hold on one second, hold on one second. I forgot about this. A drink offering is important. Talks about a drink offering. The sacrifice, sacrifice, service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Why rejoice? My living has not been in vain if you do what you're supposed to do. I want you to see this. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine, Brother Mark, I have Ashley's, see Ashley's on the front row. Can you imagine that you work all your life for the Lord and then in the end you lose out? God forbid. What Paul is saying here is not just me living. If you live and you do what you're supposed to do, then all that I've, I've worked hard at is not going to be in vain. It's not going to be wasted. So in Judaism, there was something called a drink offering that was poured out. In ancient times, in some cultures, they had something called libation. They would have a glass of wine and they would pour it over a sacrifice or an animal. They would pour it over it. That's saying, that's saying, I'm all in. That's what that means. I'm all in. Go ahead and play. That's saying, I'm all in. I'm sacrificing my life as I'm all in. I, 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 I'm all in. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm all in. Are you all in? It was symbolic of going all in and pouring everything into this. Paul is saying, my life is being poured out as a sacrifice. Their sacrifice and service for their faith. That's what it's being poured on. So the word service is the word, is, is, is where it's spelled I-L-I-T-U-R-G-I-C. I don't want to pronounce the word. That means worth. That means worship service. Whoa! My life is poured out in worship. What is it, liturgical? In a liturgical ceremony, it means a worship service. So Paul's saying all of our life bearing, all of our attitude, all adjusting, all of our, all of our God, I'm not going to say what I want to say uh, when I want to say it. Oh, God, I can say something here that could really hurt somebody. I might even feel good saying it, but I'm not going to say it. God, all of this, God is saying, listen. That it's a part of your worship. It's a part of your worship. This scripture gives us a new reason, a new attitude, a new attitude for a new attitude adjustment. I'm asking you to take the 40-day challenge. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In the last letter Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, he says it again, that my life has been poured out as a drink offering. Hold on. This is a song I wrote. I don't want to do worship anymore. I don't want to just sing songs. I don't want to lift my hands out of ritual. 
performance, I say no. I don't want to do church anymore. I want to be the church. Purify me. Make me holy for your use, Lord. Because I want to be worship. I want to be your star. I want to be your instrument of praise. So tune my heart strings and play. And my life will dance for you always. I want to be worship. I want to be your star. I want to be your instrument of praise. So tune my heart strings and play. And my life will dance for you always. It's something that it took us that verse back to worship. Back to the worship service. Every time you don't say what you want to say, you worship. Every time you say what he wants you to say. Every time you don't grumble and you don't complain and you don't, every time that you don't dispute and say stuff out loud and, and anger, you're worshiping him. That's the least that we could do for what he has done for us, for what he has done for me, for what he has done for you. By myself, I'm just a melody. But with you, a harmony, Jesus. Jesus. We have an opportunity to shine. I don't want you just to stand up just to say, oh, Pastor Portia, but I'm going to really do this. I want you to keep a journal that you go through the day. Today, what happened when I didn't complain today? Come on. This is how I did it. I put a big smile on my face, and I started singing, and I, and I just started worshiping. It's going to take something, but who here is with me? You... If that's you, you said, I'm going to go ahead and take the 40-day challenge. I want you to go ahead and stand up on your feet. Sit down if you can't take it for real. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad. But I'm going to take the 40-day challenge of not complaining, not having a bad attitude, not disputing. And I guarantee you, you're going to experience the presence of God at a new level in your life. It's going to change you. And the people around you is going to say, what happened? I've seen a new difference in you. What's going on? It's Jesus. I want to be worshipped. Father, I thank you for all of these that are standing and those that wanted to stand. God, I pray that you would help us, God put to death the deeds of the flesh. I pray that it would be before us, God, that we would recognize that we're living in a perverse uh, generation and people need to see the real Jesus, the real McCoy. They need to see, God, that there is a people that is in the world but not of the world, a people that does not act like the world. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you for helping us, for, for reminding us, God, to rejoice even in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation for reminding us Lord God I thank you for saving us and for changing us I bless your name today God cause us to bless you at all times everyone standing in Jesus name amen now this is what I want you to do for real you show me in 40 days and you say Pastor Portia I did it and you're going to write it down you're going to show me on the plate. We're going to call you up, up here and we're going to give you a certificate that says, I did the 40-day challenge and I passed it. I believe we can do a church.
I believe it. God bless you and keep you. If you want special prayer, we're always here. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.